is Writer's Cast, a podcast about books and publishing. I'm David Wilk, your host. Today I'm talking to Baron Wormser about a, a reissue, new book. I'll call it a new book, but it's a reissue uh, called The Road Washes Out in Spring, a poet's memoir of living off the grid. This is published by Brandeis University Press. I think it was originally published in 2006 by the University of Press, University Press of New England, now no longer in, in business as far as I know. Anyway, it's nice to have you here, Baron. How are you? I'm good, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today, David. Thank you. Well, we've never met, but I, I know about your work. I've read your writing over the years. Um, and I think when this was offered to me to read, I was interested in it for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that I think you and I share some, uh, let's say, cultural background. You know, we both come from a similar place in maybe what used to be called the counterculture. And I think when you were in Maine, I was in Vermont. So, <laughs> um, and you're now in Vermont, <laughs> not far from where I was in uh, when I was there. You're in Montpelier now. But this book is comes very much from uh, what I now I know we call the back to the land movement of the '60s and '70s. You know, kind of maybe antecedents for you and I both would have been called hippies. Now, you know, maybe it was more it was more widespread than just hippies. What year did you get to Maine? Uh, we got to Maine in uh, December of 1970. Uh -huh. Yeah, and you grew. I you grew up in Maryland. Uh, you you know you were you know as as many people were in that period, well educated, but uh, seeking something different uh, outside of maybe what had been uh, considered to be the normal path or then normal pathway for. Um, you know, what your life would have looked like. But what got you to decide to move to Maine? Well, I, you know, I suppose there's no one simple thing. Um, as you said about the so-called back to the land movement, uh, there was a lot in the air um, at that point in time in terms of uh, going, up, going up to the country as the, uh, as the song went. Um, I had... I knew I didn't want to live where I grew up uh, pretty early on. And uh, I was just intrigued by living uh, in a different place, in a rural place. So, uh, and my wife felt simil similarly. Uh, so we looked around uh, here and there uh, in the Northeast. And uh, just through chance, basically, we landed in, uh, we landed in Maine. And what part of Maine were you in? I mean, just to you know, kind of locate this for sure. uh, people who might not know very much about the um, the geography of what is quite a large state. It is a large state. Uh, we lived we lived uh, originally uh, for first uh, eight or so months. We rented a house in uh, Head Head Tide, which is uh, a village. Um, in a, in a little town called Alna, A-L-N-A, that is inland from Wiscasset. Uh, so it's mid-coast uh, Maine, but, uh, but inland. 
uh, that that's where we landed in Maine. And so you, um, and of course this, the book kind of recounts the story, um, you built your own house. Yeah, we wound up, uh, you know, a, a few years later, uh, building a building our own house. Um, but as I as I uh, explain in the book, um, we were uh, how to say naive about actually building a house, and uh, we were aided immeasurably by um, a local uh, carpenter who uh, came up and saw what we were doing when we were just getting going and, um, and said, uh, you know, he'd, he'd be willing to, uh, to build this house uh, with us, uh, which meant more we'd be carrying lumber and he would be nailing it. And, uh, and we were good with that. So, uh, but we designed the house and uh, it was very much our house. Yeah. One of the things you talk about in the book that kind of resonated for me, having had a similar experience in Vermont, you know, when you sort of, you land in this place where people have been living for a long time. And as you said, naivete, uh, with naivete, you think that you're going to just show up and you don't really know nothing about how people live in the country because you haven't lived in the country before, especially in places that are as rural as the parts of Maine that you were in. And it's kind of resonant for, I think, a lot of people who ended up, you know, doing the back to the land thing to be met with a certain amount of, well, in some cases, hostility. In other cases, a kind of bemused uh, humor, sarcastic in, on some level you know, kind of not really understanding why these kids were showing up there. And I think you experienced, and you talk about it in a really nice way, the um, the way that you were treated by your neighbors. You know, for them, this, this life, their life was not a lifestyle. It was their lives. Uh, <laughs> and you were kind of, the outlier, you were the, the newcomer, the person, the, the people who didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> That's a fair way to put it. Uh, but we had a lot of, uh, you know, obvious uh, feeling about what we wanted to do and how we wanted to live. And so, uh, yeah, we went ahead. Yeah. I was thinking a little bit as I was reading your book and I, I kind of read it slowly. I tried to, you know, it's not just a narrative. It was, you know, with the way you write this book is really poetic in its, in the sense of trying to inhabit the space uh, that you were in at that time. And I was thinking about another book I read, which was by a guy named Gordon Ball, a friend of mine who got a job working for Allen Ginsberg in the late 60s, um, taking care of Allen's house in Cherry Valley, or not sure. Well, yeah, it's not, you know, like upstate New York. I think it was Cherry Valley. And he, they had a similar experience. You know, the neighbors basically saved them from themselves, uh, <laughs> from not knowing anything at all about what they were doing. It's sort of like you're almost like pilgrims landing on the coast in 1620 and being rescued by Native Americans, uh, in your case, being taught in a nice way by people who actually knew what they were doing. 
Absolutely. Um, those people, a number of them, you know, they, they were our teachers. They were our mentors. And, you know, they're the people who we really wanted to connect with in, in that way. Uh, Cause I think part of what we were hungry for was, uh, was that kind of learning um, from, uh, from older people who had lived in a rural area. And as you said, you know, knew what they were doing and could pass on um, some of that lore to us so that uh, we might become competent ourselves in learning to live in the country and, and take care of ourselves. You know, how do they see you as, you know, in this kind of, um, do you feel like they didn't really understand who you were and it was your responsibility to try to understand who they were? That's a fair way to put it. These people had lived in, uh, you know, this small town, many of them, you know, for a lifetime. It was their world. You know, they knew the people in their in that world, in that town, for better and for worse. And then uh, then we showed up. And um, I, I think, you know, it was, uh, it depended, obviously, on the, on the person. I think, though, pretty much up and down the line, uh, people were curious, understandably so. And people were sort of willing to give us the benefit of the doubt in the sense that uh, we were interested in living where they lived, considering that, you know, a place like rural Maine had been seeing, seeing an out-migration, you know, for a long time, decades. The fact that people started showing up who were actually interested in coming there was a little bit of a, a welcome as a kind of um, nod of uh, some kind of approval, however, as I said, naive it was. So you became a uh, librarian in one of the towns nearby. Do you feel like that enabled you to become more deeply connected to the people in the community? Well, yes, um, it did. I worked for 25 years um, in, a, in a town, a couple towns away from where the house, the house was. Um, and that's a long time, and you you learn a lot about uh, about people in a community. Um, obviously, you're dealing with their children and the world of that community, and you know inevitably uh, you get involved um, in all kinds of ways, um, you know, with people. So, so yeah, it was uh, it was kind of an immersion of a sort in what was very much another culture. And it sounded like, uh, I think, one of the th kind of themes in the book, aside from the, the ch you know, the kind of physicality of your daily lives, and that is including the road that you lived on being somewhat unimproved and you walked a lot. What would you say, you know, when you think about that period, which you, you were there for almost 25 years, kind of living off grid and in this very uh, simple un you know low low tech way which some people have called appropriate technology but it, it was low tech when you look back on it what do you miss the most of your time living there oh um a lot of things um one is, of course is just the experience the experience um cuz that's where that's where we raised our children, and so their childhoods were there. Um, so that's 
that's something that goes by wherever you live and you miss that um, when it goes by. Um, I suppose the thing I miss the most is um, is, w- is when you live like that, um, it's very unmediated as far as, um, as your existence is, is concerned. You know, all the machinery, the sort of thing we're doing this very moment, you don't have any of that. So you're living, you're living with the, with the day and the night you know, with the sun and the moon and the stars, you live it with the wind, and that's what you're living with. So, so, so there's that sense of of being on Earth. It's very precious. A part of me will always miss that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned um, Gary Snyder and Earth Household, and of course the Nearings, Helen and Scott Nearing, who you know many for many people were very important guides in trying to find a way of living closer to the earth, closer to the rhythms of actual, you know, uh, seasons and seasonality, which I think you talk about quite a bit because when you're living in Maine, the seasons dominate. They do. You get, you really get four seasons. You you obviously, (laughs) you obviously get winter, but you get all the seasons. And so, yes, I agree. Have, have you've stayed in the Northeast since, um, yeah, even really. though you're not in Maine? Yeah, yeah. actually, we live uh, pretty much in the exact same latitude um, as the house um, in uh, in that town. So um, that house was a couple of miles off U.S. Route Two, and we live now a couple of miles off U.S. Route Two. So same same latitude. I know that road. There there aren't that many roads that go east west in. Um, Northern Maine, or in you know, in New Hampshire, Maine, and Vermont, because of the mountains. So, what, what, well, what, what caused you? You don't really talk about the leaving of the place so much, but what was it that caused you to move away from that house? Well, no one thing. Our children having grown up was certainly part of it because the house was so closely associated with their childhoods. And, you know, the people that I mentioned um, who were our mentors were, um, you know, were getting older. Um, some of them had died. And so things, things weren't the same in that way, in, in various, uh, various little ways the town had changed. Um, and we just felt we were, you know, we had, we had sort of um, gotten what we wanted to get, so to speak. Um, that we never had a <laughs> we never had a very clear aim from the experience, and so uh, it seemed uh, time to um, you know go out into the uh, you know the world of uh, electricity and uh, and see what was going on there. So you <laughs> so you you now you obviously since we're speaking using electricity you obviously have returned to that. Um, more modern style, but have have you kept it in some way the nature that you were, you know, the the, the way that you were living in Maine has, has that stayed with you in some way? Yeah, it, it stayed with us um, in the sense that we're 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 very devoted gardeners. Um, gardening was a big part of the house of, in our lives uh, in Maine, and uh, you know, there's when you live like that. Um, there's a kind of 
uh, care and attentiveness that goes with that kind of living that I like to think has 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 stayed stayed with me. Certainly stayed with my wife, who's a very attentive person, um, and uh, just a, a degree, I guess you'd say, of uh, of, of self reliance as far as um, you know, just uh, kind of knowing how to take care of ourselves and. Uh, in, in various ways. We also, as I write about in the book, uh, became meditators uh, in that house. We still are um, decades later. Uh, so there are a number of things. So, so it's, not, it's, not just, uh, it's not just the technology issue. Um, it's it's all, the, all the way of life that went with that that has certainly stayed with us. Right. I, th- I think that's important that you know, we have a tendency to think of either or, um, you know, that you have to be all in with whatever it is that you're doing rather than attenuating some of that um, modernity, let's say, uh, that you, you, can, you can live with electricity and running water uh, and toilets, but you don't have to live in a completely uh, modern technologically uh, adapted way or you can live in the modern way without losing losing contact with nature so you you can have electricity and still be outdoors yeah yeah, i i think that's a very good point i think living the way we did gave us a perspective that you know has stayed with us will stay with us as, as long as we're in this world uh in terms of um you know we're not we're not dependent um, on it, on it, and we're certainly not cheerleaders for it uh, in terms of the uh, technological, you know, thrust of the of the society. You know, we 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 did do without for a long time, and you know, if tomorrow for one reason or another it were necessary to do without, it wouldn't be a big deal at all, as far as as far as that goes. Well, that's true. You you certainly have the you have the experience now that a lot of people don't, and um, I, you know I think there there's a sort of I, I don't think that that the sense of the sensibility of wanting to be able to experience self reliance I don't think that's gone away. I think that there are there's a sort of it's maybe never been a large percentage of the population <laughs> that is questioning. The, you know, the authority, let's say, of modern technological life. But there are people still today who feel the same way you did or the way I did then um, and wonder if there's a way they can learn how to be uh, uh, different, you know, learn how to um, be more self-reliant and more connected to the physical world. And it's it's just hard. I think it's hard for a lot of people because there's no... It's not like there's a training, you know, there's not a, um, uh, uh, there, there's just very little support for <laughs> that kind of thing. Like when I was a kid, we, we would go, you know, you might be in the Boy Scouts or something and, you know, go camping or be, go to summer camp and learn, like we learned at summer camp, how to build a fire, how to make a lean to, um, you know, how to create a raft, things like that. I, and I don't. I'm not sure that that's even that common anymore. Yeah, um, it, 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 you, it probably isn't. And you know, 
probably have to spend a lot of money to send a kid to a camp like that. Now, I think that, um, I think what, what, you know, in that sense, which that you bring up David and, and that the book is about, um, it's about, it's about simple living, uh, and what simple living constitutes. And obviously, um, the last thing this society is touting is, is simple living. It's not interested in that it's interested in more and more and then more on top of that. And so that's not simple living. Um, but as the song went, it's a gift to be simple. Um, simple doesn't mean deprived. Simple doesn't mean impoverished. Uh, simple means, as, as you said, being in touch with, with the physical world, with the world of the earth, taking a lot of your cues from that world and living accordingly and trying to live in something like harmony with that world and, and getting the you know joy and pleasure from doing that, including the hard work that could go into that. Um, that that's part of, very much uh, part of it um, and was never, we felt uh, onerous in terms of um, how we live. So I agree with you uh, about that. How, how did your, I have to ask, because uh, I, t- it's inevitable to wonder how your kids who grew up in that environment um, and didn't know any differently at that point, perhaps, except maybe when they went to their friends' houses who had electricity and it set the stage for their lives. But how do they, how do they feel when they look back on their growing up time with you in that, in that place? <laughs> um, they're, uh, they feel a lot, um, we do in terms of feeling a degree of um, something like nostalgia, uh, feeling for it in terms of um, how um, how wholesome it was, how how real it was. Um, so so it for them, um, there's certainly uh, <laughs> other things perhaps about their parents that may have been challenges, but th- those could have existed if they lived in you know. Uh, suburban Massachusetts as much as rural Maine. But as far as how we lived, both our children, you know, have feeling for the earth. And in the case of our son, Owen Wormser, he, he is a landscape designer. And he is the author of a book called Lawns into Meadows that shows people how to take their lawn and turn it into a wildlife meadow. So he's, he's really um, gone further down the road in terms of um, taking uh, that connection to the earth and, um, you know, really um, putting it out there to people um, in the world. So what about, you know, we didn't really talk about poetry. Um, You know, when you mentioned in the book that it was kind of being in this place that enabled you to enter the world of poetry, enter the world of reading and writing poetry. um, And, of course, you are a poet. How has that affected your kids? You know, do they see poetry in a different way because they grew up with poetry around them and with you as a poet? Well, uh, uh, <laughs> certainly they're, um, they're not as, uh, how to say, intense or focused on it as I am, and I wouldn't expect that. Um, they both have, um, in their different ways, feeling for literature. Um, they've both been interested in my work uh, over the course of um, of the decades of my work. Um, so so um, so yeah. So they're not um, 
They're not writers. Well, my son is a writer uh, from doing that book, but not not a writer the way I've been a writer, uh, which I can well understand uh, <laughs> when you see some of the frustrations that go into being a writer. Uh, especially a poet. <laughs> yeah, especially a poet, right. Doing a book of poetry has been described as dropping a feather into the Grand Canyon. So uh, I got to see that firsthand. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and so, yeah, and you, you've lived with that, obviously, for a long time. But it feels like that, the you know, the level of solitude and connection with the natural world that you were afforded in that environment did give you that ability to be in yourself to be with the words and to find your voice, which I think is crucial for anybody who wants to write poetry. You have to figure out what your voice is and who you are. And a certain amount of silence does help. I, I agree with you. Poetry exists in relation to silence. Um, and certainly the, the relative solitude um, of, of our lives in the woods. There's no question about it in terms of connecting me um, to, uh, to my imagination. And that was really crucial as far as, um, you know, the experience and, you know, forming me as a poet. So th this question is not necessarily related to the book directly, but I noticed in your biography that you are connected to the Frost Place in uh, New Hampshire. And now you're in Vermont. So you've gone from Maine, you have connections to New Hampshire, and now you're in Vermont. Uh, it seems like there's a continuity across those, uh, across the North Country, uh, for sure. Yeah, I was, um, I'm no longer connected with the Frost Place, but I was connected for, I don't know, 20 years or so. Um, and, uh, and you're right, it's, it's, it's similar and the the man who um, uh, was a you know founding director of the Frostbite Donald Sheehan, um, he lived off the grid, so so uh, when I met Don, we we hit it off immediately. Um, talking about all those things that go into living off the grid, so um, so that that fit so to speak. Um, and you're right, it's, it's in terms of part of the world, obviously Northern New England, yes. So. I guess one last question, and that would be, if someone came to you today, someone of the same age today that you were then, what would you give, what, what advice would you give them to, if they said, if someone came to you and said, you know, I read your book and I'm inspired to go find a place of my own, what would you tell them? <laughs> Uh, I would tell them to be humble. <laughs> uh, that's what I would tell them. Uh, I would tell them uh, not to think you uh, you know it all before before you do it, um, and uh, to um, to uh, you know be um, interested in the whole of the experience. I'm not just doing it to live in some notion of a, of a stage set. But to um, to live with the with the wholeness of it, you know, the people and and the weather and and all all that all that all that goes with with living uh, living the, and the work um, that goes with uh, living living that way. Um, and if if you aren't interested in that, uh, you probably shouldn't do it. 
because of it, it, it asks you, so to speak, to be all in. And if you aren't all in, it's not probably going to to be what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. That's probably good advice for more than just wanting to. If, if That would be advice for almost anyone starting out to do almost anything, I think, to be all in. I think that's that's the right the right approach. So I think that's I think you learned some good things and I appreciate that advice even though I'm not about to go live in the country I still think it's good advice. <laughs> well, I want to thank you Baron for not only for talking to me about the book but for writing it and for uh Brandeis for reissuing it because I think it's a really special book and not just for those of us who might share some of your experiences. I think you've you've given people entry into a really wonderful place, not only physical but spiritual. So thank you for the for the opportunity to read it. Thank you, David, for those kind words. I appreciate them very much. This has been Writer's Cast, a podcast about books and authors. I'm David Wilk, your host. I've been talking to Baron Wormser about The Road Washes Out in Spring, a poet's memoir of living off the grid.